0: Turn to two passages of Scripture for me. Here we go. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and Matthew 6. 2 Chronicles 7 and Matthew 6. Everyone say 2 Chronicles 7 and Matthew 6. Here's where we are. This is where we're at. The Holy Spirit laid this on my heart a number of weeks ago. and, And this phrase, let us pray. Everybody say, let us pray. You've heard that kind of in a religious setting. Well, let us pray. Everybody get your religious face on. Get your religious voice on and go, let us pray. Uh, Let us pray, and then someone reads some kind of a boring religious, uh, you know, predetermined kind of prayer, and you go, "Ooh, now that just didn't bless me much." But let me tell you something: we need to take that phrase and breathe life into it in our families, in our businesses, in every area of our life. In fact, what did Paul say? He said this: He said, "Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything." Everybody, say, "Let us pray." And so let us pray, Is I termed it, a 40-day church-wide uh, prayer emphasis, if you will. This 40 days of praying, it's between Mother's Day and Father's Day, uh, the emphasis, uh, and I'll share kind of in detail that with you in just a moment, but I want you to see this keynote verse here, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. it says this. Let's all read it together. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. My friend, let's read that again. You got to get this. In fact, you need to memorize this if you don't have it down. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Everyone, let's read it out loud and proud. Here we go. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. We're going to take, we're going to break it down uh, in just a few moments. We're going to break this verse down in just a little bit. Everybody say, lift your hand toward the pastor. Say, break it down, pastor. I'm going to break it down for you in just a moment, but you got to hang on to it. So you hang on to that because that's kind of the, the, the launching pad, if you will, for let us pray. Everybody say, let us pray. Now, most people, they think of prayer as a, as a final, you know, well, if everything else fails, then maybe we should pray. Beverly and I have been practicing this this week. We start talking about things, and then we'll start talking about it, and then we realize we're getting nowhere, and one of the, us will say, well, let us pray. And we begin to pray about it rather than just worry about it, rather than just talk about it, rather than just, you know, fret over it. But we're going to pray about it because the Scripture says uh, that if we'll pray and seek His face and turn from our wicked ways, then He'll hear from heaven and forgive our sin and heal our land. Everybody say, God answers prayer. He really desires to answer our prayers. He wants us to pray. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Now, let us pray. Here it is, a 40-day church-wide emphasis. What is it all about? A campaign to radically revolutionize our relationship with God at the place of prayer. I'm telling you, God wants to light it up in your life. Somebody say, light it up. He wants your prayer life to to be revolutionized, and your relationship to to come alive in prayer. Not to be something that you have to do, but something you get to do. You get to talk to God. I've heard actually heard people say, "Well, do you have to pray?" Every day no you don't have to pray, you get to pray amen it's a benefit of children to be able to hang out with their heavenly Father and so I believe in the next forty days we're already one week into this. I believe in the next forty days God wants to do something in your life that is radical that is revolutionary and and, and cause your relationship with God to begin to to be transformed and you're not just kind of sitting on the sidelines of life, but you're engaging God at the place of prayer and Things are happening because you're praying. Amen. Hallelujah. I really believe that. Let's tell three or four people, let us pray. Come on, let us pray. Let us pray. And it's not singular, it's let us. How many of you know corporate prayer is a powerful thing? When you agree together at the place of prayer. Michael and Lyric, I just love Michael and Lyric. I'm sure in their lives they look at each other and they say, well, let us pray. And they pray together. Josh and Laura, Beverly and I, I pray that that's the case in your home with your children. Let's pray about that. You know, your kids need to see you praying. They need to hear you praying. They need to see that you believe that God is a God who answers prayer. We need to celebrate the answers to prayer that come our way. How many of you can say God has answered prayers in my life? Amen. Well, let's just celebrate those answered prayers right now by just giving the Lord a great big worship and pray. Father, thank you today that you Answer prayer in our life. That when we call unto you, you answer us. Thank you, God answers prayer. Sadly, most people really don't believe that or they'd pray a whole lot more. <laughs> Amen. And so that's what our f- focus is. It's really 40 days between Mother's Day and Father's Day. And so, hey guys, it, it's, it was Mother's Day a few weeks ago. Let me just say, Father's Day's coming, Josh. Father's Day's coming. And so, Father's Day's coming. And so, between now and then, everyone say it. Let us pray. No, let us pray. Amen. So, that's the focus. This morning, as you're turning to Matthew 6, which many call the model prayer. Some people call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's really a model prayer. And, and I, I have interacted and studied and taught and preached from this passage for years and years and years. Because it's really a response from Jesus to His disciples who really asked the Lord, teach us to pray. They realized that just prayer doesn't come natural, that they needed to be taught how to pray. And Jesus taught them this prayer. And it's not just a repetitive prayer that you pray like I did in football. You remember in football, man, you thought you were real spiritual. We'd get right before the football game and we'd all get in a big huddle and we'd get all frothed up and the testosterone would just begin to fly and we'd, we'd all do this. Uh, we'd go, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts, we forgive it Lead leave us not into temptation, deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever, in, in Jesus' name, amen, ah, now let's go kill somebody, <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about, that's what we did in high school, were we, we were real spiritual, weren't we, we used it as to froth us up to hurt somebody, I thought that's funny, that's not what I'm talking about. Jesus responds to the disciples' questions and He begins to teach them to pray. But I want to read you today really what leads up to this, this prayer that we call the model prayer. I want to begin in chapter 6 verse 1. There's really three topics He hits. The when yous. Everybody say the when yous. And it's when you give. Everybody say when you give. And, and, and by the way, it's not if you give. It's when you give. You know, the natural response from believers when they are born again uh, is, hey, I want to, I should give. Because it says, give that has been given unto you. How many you have been given more than you could ever imagine? Eternity and, and right, right relationship with God. When you give, and then when you pray. Everybody say, when you give. When you pray. Oh, Alloy number three, just thank the Lord. We're not talking about this much today, but when you fast. Fast, what is that? That's when you go down the road, fa- when you go fat? No, when you fast. Uh, and we've talked about that. We've done that. We do that from time to time. A lot of times in the beginning uh, of the year, we pray and fast and seek God. Uh, And so that's the big three in Matthew 6, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Let me just throw this out. If you do all those three in your life, you'll be a better person. Uh, And so we're talking specifically about prayer. So let's just jump in in verse five here. It says, and when you pray, everybody say, when I pray, When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. You see, they're just trying to show off at the place of prayer. Let me stop. I've got plenty of time. You ever had anybody talk to you like this? They just talk. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. And then someone asks them to pray. Would you pray over the food? And they go, our Father. What happened to their voice just then? We have come today to, and then later you say, how you doing? oh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm like, what is that? You have to have a different tone of voice when you pray. Well, these guys, Jesus is talking about the hypocrites. They just wanted people to, they, were, they wanted people to see how spiritual they were. And, and they said, don't be like that. They love to be praying, standing in the synagogues on the corners of the streets that may be seen by men. Assuredly, I I say to you, they have their reward. In other words, that's all they're going to get. If there's anybody, you know, gets blessed by their religious prayers, that's as far as it goes. But you, everybody say, but us. But when you pray, when we, when you pray, go into your room. Now, King James calls it your closet. Go into your closet, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who sees in in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will do what? (laughs) Reward you openly. And when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, don't be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Somebody say amen. Father, thank You today for the reading of Your Word. May it bring forth much fruit in our life. In Jesus' name. Everybody said that word again. Amen. The model prayer. There's a lot here. I want to show you one thought that just jumped off the page from verse 6. And that's where we're going to focus today. Look what it says, when you go into your closet. Now, when I was a young Christian, I believed literally, I believed the Bible in every way. I still do, but I, I would translate things. You'd closet, that means your closet. You go in the closet. And I actually built a prayer room in my closet. There was a little shoe rack at the end. It's one of them little shallow, long closets. I took the little shoe the little shoe stand and got it all off, put a little light there. And that's where I'd set my Bible. And I'd lay, I, I don't know what I did with my shoes, but I would lay there in the closet uh, and it, and it worked great. Uh, in fact, it was necessary because Beverly and I lived in a little garage apartment, 400 square feet. And there was no real walls uh, that doors that separated no place. You just, you know, you go around, you live in the living room, you go around the wall and there's the bedroom. And, and, and then there's a little kitchenette and, and in the middle of the living room. Or of the living room was my closet my prayer closet and I would go in the closet and I would pray I learned to pray in the closet but that's not really in totality what God is talking about he's talking about stealing away to the secret place finding a place by yourself and finding in fact Jesus had a closet he had a prayer closet it was the garden he would go to the garden he would get away and and he would pray he 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 spent his life seeking God at the place of prayer in fact he he would pray early in the morning Morning, and he would pray late into the evening. And I've always said, if Jesus felt the need to do that, how much more should we? Correctly? But I want you to see something this morning. And I, it, just, it just leapt off the page. And here's today's big idea. Somebody say, what's the big idea? Here's today's big idea. Now, you're going to have to... Before you, we flip the big idea up there, let me just say, this, this has the power to transform your entire life and your family. It's in the process of transforming mine. I knew this, but I didn't see this. But here's today's big idea. It is this. There are some things God wants or needs to see in us before He can righteously respond to what He hears from us. Let's say that again. There are some things that God wants to see in us before he can righteously respond to what he hears from us. Now, it, the, the the insight here comes from the verse I just read to you. When it says in verse six, when you pray, you go to you shut the door, pray to your father in the secret place, and your father who hears in the secret place, your father who I never saw that before. In all of my reading of this, God's look down, looking down. And what are we wanting God to do? We're wanting Him to hear us. Most people don't pray because they don't believe God really hears them. Are you with me? God's looking down in the prayer closet, and it, he, he, he sees something that causes Him to respond to our prayers. And so I come to you and I suggest to you that if you, if you're here today and you really aren't sure God is really answering your prayers, you're wondering if He's, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're the step kid of the kingdom and for some reason god doesn't care enough uh, to to hear you or listen to you and let me just stop Can we pause everybody push the pause but let's pause for a minute let's be honest you want to be honest you want to get painfully honest here in church for just a moment how many of you've ever prayed and prayed for something and you just began to wonder is god even hearing me if that's you today if you've ever wondered is god even hearing me i want you to shoot your hand up real fast that's me I wonder, is God even hearing me? You know what? I, I know there's nothing wrong with God's ears and there's nothing wrong with God's mouth, but you need, you need to understand something. God wants to answer our prayers. He wants to reward us openly. He wants to be manifest in our life. He wants to answer our prayers, but God is looking down and he looks down and he sees something. This is what I believe uh, Jesus is saying. He sees something that causes him to respond to us at the place of prayer with what we would call answered prayer. And I suggest to you, let's read this together. There are some things that God wants to see in us before He can righteously respond to what He hears from us. And I just, I'm just, just amazed that when it says about the Lord, about our Heavenly Father, your Father who sees you, He sees something in you, wants to reward us openly When He sees what He needs to see, then He rewards us accordingly. And then He allows us to see what we're wanting to see. You see, when you're praying, you're wanting to see some things in your life. It may be added resources. In fact, what did Jesus teach us to pray? Give us this day, our daily bread. When you ask for added resources, you're hoping that God hears your prayers. You're believing that God will give you added resources. He'll give you uh, the bread you need, the monies you need, the finances you need. He taught us to pray that way. We're wanting to see the manifestation of that in our life. And so here's what we need to understand. God wants us wants to see see some things in us so then he can reward us openly and we can begin to see what we're wanting to see from God he's wanting to see some things are you with me now what's God looking to see in us what's he looking for what gets God's attention what's he What's He looking to see? Let me throw you another huge verse this morning. I'm going to throw it to you. This ought to transform your life, lives as well. 2 Chronicles 16, 9. Just a couple of chapters after 2 Chronicles uh, 7, 14. Look at this. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Stop and think about it. God's looking for something. What's He looking for? He's looking to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose Heart is loyal towards Him. Get this with me. God's eyes are going to and fro. He's looking all over Beaumont. He's looking all over Lumberton. He's looking all over Sour Lake. He's looking all over Southeast Texas. He's looking for something. What's He looking for? He's looking for people who have their hearts right whose hearts are loyal towards Him. You see, God's looking at us and He's determining if He has the capacity. He always has the capacity, but if if He can righteously respond to us by answering our prayers. But He's looking for someone. He wants to show Himself strong and mighty in your life. He wants to show Himself supernatural in your life. The eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those who are loyal in their heart toward Him. You see, God, prayer is not, I have an old friend who's in heaven, his name's Louis Bessarel. He was a prison ministry. One of the things that caused him to be motivated towards prison ministry was he'd been in prison for years and God showed up in the prison and saved him and filled him with the Holy Spirit. He was a wonderful man. He's in heaven today. And and he was, of course, Louis Bessarel. he was Hispanic and he would say, and he didn't have good English, but he was a great preacher. And he said, God ain't no gimme machine man I said say it again Louis So I can understand it He said God ain't no gimme machine A gimme machine What's a gimme machine <laughs> You know a gimme machine You put something in You get something back You get, It's a gimme machine I said I never heard a gimme machine He said God ain't no gimme machine man In other words you can't just do this And he has to do that Look at your neighbor and say God ain't no gimme machine man a lot of people think God's a gimme machine. You just give him, you, you put in your nickel, pull the handle or whatever you do, twist it and God, and something pops out. You think, well, God's supposed to answer prayer. If I say this, he has to jump. Listen, God ain't no gimme machine. There's some things he's looking for. He's wrong and he wants to bless us. He wants to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal towards him. Now here's, that's a huge verse and you and I need to realize, and here's kind of the big idea about that big idea. The big idea is it's God is looking on the inside so he can reward us and respond to us on the outside. He's looking at us in the secret place. He's looking at our hearts. He's not just listening to the words we say. He's looking at the heart behind what we say. And the reason we say what we say, and the reason we want another hundred dollars, the reason we want God to do this for us—he's looking at our hearts. God's one that looks on the inside. You remember when when Samuel the prophet was searching to anoint the next king of Israel in First, I think it's First Samuel sixteen. You remember it? He went to the house of Jesse. If you remember it, at least smile and nod. Some of you are looking at me like what? At a cow stands at a new gate, stares at a new gate. I was at a wedding the other night and they had a little elevator and everybody was supposed to go down. Ryan Castile got married the other night. It's pretty cool. And so we got in the elevator. We were waiting. There's plenty more room and and there were more people that could have got in the elevator. I said, come on in. And they just stared at me. Now I said, there's plenty of room. Come on in. The water's fine. And, And they just, No, we'll wait on the next one. I was going, what? Maybe they're scared to get in the elevator with the preacher. I don't know. But you know what they were doing? They were staring at me like a calf. Kind of like you are this morning. going, "Mm." listen. Listen, this is radical for us this morning. God wants to radically transform our life. He wants to, he, and He wants to look on the inside and, and you remember now, here, let's try it again. You remember Jesse, the, uh, He comes, David, uh, pardon me, Samuel comes to the house of Jesse and he's got all these brothers, these sons and he's looking to anoint the, the next king. You remember the story and, and, and Jesse was bringing all his sons and boy, and, and David go, uh, not him. Not him, you know. Just bring the big, the strong, you know. Not him. And finally, he went through all, you know, he just all the sons, and he said, "Well, I know God said to me to come. There's the king is to be anointed from the house of Jesse. Do you have any more sons?" He said, "Well, we got one. He's just a kid. He's out in the field tending the sheep. Uh, oh, we'll bring him here." And in walks little pimple-faced David. I know he was pimple-faced. The Bible calls him a ruddy young man in appearance. You ever been ruddy in appearance? He's just, he just going through puberty, you see, and he, he's just a kid. And oh, no, no, no surely it couldn't be him. And, and Samuel said, that's the one right there. There he is. I know it. And he anoints him. And, and here's the phrase he says, man looks on the outer appearance. But God, when he looks at you, he's looking on the inside. You see, you can't fast talk God. You can't trick Him by smiling a nod and a fast talking word. He's looking on the inside. God's looking. And when we start praying, let me tell you something. God is looking. His eyes are looking to and fro throughout the whole earth, finding, trying to find somebody He can see who has the right heart toward Him so He can begin to show Himself strong and mighty in their behalf. Whoo! There's some things God needs to see in us before he can righteously respond to what he hears from us. You get that. If you got, if you got, I'm going to stay right there till I think I see you smiling and nodding a little bit. You know, if you, if you got it, just smile and nod. If, you can say amen, amen. If you don't have it, we'll just keep talking. I'll keep repeating myself till you get it. Uh, how many of you got it? God's looking to, to us on the inside of us so he can see what he needs to see at the private place. So let me just tell you, if you'll just respond to him and, and begin to appropriate what you, what I'm about to tell you from 2 Chronicles 7, 14, He'll begin to see that in in the private place and help you and respond to you and then began to reward you openly with the answered prayers that you're so desperately desirous of. Are you with me? He looks on the inside. In fact, David caught this. I can just imagine when he heard the prophet Samuel say, and there's all his big strapping big brothers who were not the king. And he comes in as the little... You know, not David. How many of you know the Bible says God chooses the weak things of the world to confound the wise? That gives us all hope. And David comes, little ruddy-faced, pimple-faced David comes in, you know, smelling like sheep. He'd just been out hanging out with the sheep. And he comes in. There, that's the one. And then he hears the prophet say to Jesse, his father, you need to understand. God's not looking on the outside. God's looking on the inside. And he sees this young man. And he's the one. David caught that at a young age, and we see him writing in Psalm 139, verse 23. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. What was he saying to God? Take a peek on the inside search my heart. Now, you got to understand David made some mistakes in life. It didn't make him perfect. He was God's chosen one. But he made some terrible mistakes in his leadership. He committed murder. He committed adultery. And he wrote Psalm 51 in response to the conviction of God upon his life for committing murder and committing adultery. And he said, create in me, O God, a clean heart and renew a steadfast and right spirit within me. He knew if his heart wasn't right, he was going to be separated from God. And the hand of God would be all of him and so we see him in this Psalm Psalm 139 search me oh God and know my heart let me just tell you if you want God to begin to answer your prayers like never before if you want your prayer life you want your relationship with God to begin to be radically transformed and you begin to see God you begin to see the things that you've been asking him for come to pass in your life you gotta be at the same place Day, search me oh God and know my heart See if there be any wicked way in me. David understood that God's looking on the inside. He's looking for something on the inside. This morning, I want us now to return to 2 Chronicles 7.14. And we just from this verse, we can see what God... Just some simple things that God is looking for. When we when we go into the prayer closet and God is looking like it says, God sees us in the secret place and rewards us openly. Second Chronicles 7.14 shows us some things that all of us need to have that God needs to see in our life. Here it is. Number one, it's a submitted heart. For God said this, for if my people... Everybody say my people who are called by my name. Now, that that identifies us as his. He's in charge. We are... His flock. In fact, that phrase "my people," as we learned a couple of weeks ago, really t- talks about a flock of people—a people who who belong to him and 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 are his. And we know this from what Jesus said in John chapter ten. He said, "I'm the sheep, and they're the shepherd, and my sheep hear my voice, and they know me, and they follow me. They don't follow the voice of strangers. Why? Because they are a submitted flock to the chief shepherd in their life. Listen to me this morning. When God looks down at from his uh, heavenly abode and he looks upon us in the secret place and as we're praying he's looking for a people he's looking for his flock those that belong to him who understand and identify with him as the Lord and the leader and the shepherd of their souls who have said I will follow you I will serve you all the days of my life I'm the sheep you're the shepherd amen it's a submitted heart In fact, I love what David said in Psalm 100, verse 1 through 3. He said, we are his people. Now, this is David, you remember. He's the one that God looked, he saw his heart. David said this, Psalm 100. He said, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We're the flock. It's a submitted heart. When God's looking down, when his eyes are going to and fro throughout all the earth, seeking someone who he can show himself strong and manifest his, his, his power and presence in and through their lives. He's looking for a submitted heart. Someone who has said, I don't belong to myself, I'm a slave of God, I'm, I'm a part of the family of faith, I see people all the time, they run and do whatever they want to do, they think somehow God bless, loves them so much that He will undermine His own character to bless them because they're so special. Listen, God is looking for someone who says no to themselves and yes to Him, that says I'm your people. And the sheep of your pasture, you're the boss. I'm the slave. Here am I. Amen. A heart that is submitted unto God to be the Lord and the leader of our life. That's what God is looking for. Number two, He's looking, as we see in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, He's looking for a submitted heart, and then He's looking for a humble heart. For it said, if my people who are called by my name will do what? Somebody say, humble themselves. Humble themselves. Anybody ever been humiliated? you ever been humiliated? Come on. Am I the only person ever been humiliated? Some people just think that's their, their business. They're their gifting in life to humiliate you. You ever met anybody so insecure about their own life? They make you look bad so they'll look better. It's no fun to be around. You don't want to invite them to your birthday party. Really, you understand that. But hey, sometimes we just make mistakes in life and it's humiliating when everybody sees how stupid we really are. That's not what I'm talking about here. God's not into humiliating anyone. God's not trying to make you look stupid or look dumb. He's not talking about that. He's talking about someone who understands who they are in the light of who he is. He's the Lord. He's the leader. He's God Almighty and I'm His, I'm His humble servant. And the word humble really means this, to willingly bow low in subjection to, to bow ourselves before Him, not just as the boss, but as the Lord and the leader and the creator of our, our very being, the one who loved us and, 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 and sent His son to die for us. We willingly bow ourselves low to Him in subjection to the authority of God in our life. We humble ourselves. And my Bible tells it's the humble who he exalts it's the humble that he blesses in fact what does the bible say about the proud he resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble he wants to show himself strong in behalf of those who have a submitted humble heart before him amen the eyes of the lord go to and fro throughout all the earth looking for someone He can show Himself strong to, who has a loyal, submitted, humble heart before Him. God's looking on the inside. Everybody, tell somebody God's looking on the inside. In fact, how many of you know He already knows what's going on in your world? In fact, the Scripture says, in, uh, I think it's in Matthew, he, uh, he already knows what we need before we even ask Him. He knows what's going on. Look at your other neighbor and say, God knows what's going on. He's just looking for us to respond. He's wanting to be able to look down. He doesn't want to humiliate you. Uh, and listen, let me, you know who, who will be the first one to humiliate you if you don't humble yourself before God? You will humiliate you. You'll do something so bad and so stupid and you'll go, man, that's so stupid. That's humiliating. And God doesn't want us to be human. He wants us just to humble ourselves before Him. That's what God's looking for. When God looks down in the prayer closet, He's looking for a submitted heart, a humble heart. And number three, He's looking for a hungry heart. It says He's, like, oh, I, see, I'm missing these verses. Go back. I'll get you Psalm 10. Psalm 10 says this, Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. He hears the desires of the humble. He hears, you see, he can begin to respond to that. God can respond to that. He can hear you. He hears the desires, the, the longings of the humble heart, and he responds accordingly. And then number three, he's searching for a hungry heart. He says, he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and catch this, seek my face. Somebody say, seek my face. Now, seek my face is a Hebraic phrase, for we want your presence in our life. Now, it's not P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, presence. If I can spell it, P-R-E-S, yeah, you got it. That's not in my notes, but the presence of God in our life, rather than the resources of God in our life. In fact, if we had time, we could go back to the children of Israel. Joshua, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and they're about to go into the promised land and they've made mistakes. God says, y'all can go on in, but I'm not going with you. Joshua said, we're not going in if you don't go with us. Most people would have jumped right on in. Oh, I'll take his presence with the T. Who cares about his presence with a C.? Let me tell you something, without His presence with a C, you'll never have His presence with a T. You'll never have answered prayers in your life. And if you don't hunger after the presence of God in your life, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, that, that's relationship with God. And see. Let me tell you something, if you have a relationship with the Father, if you have what we're talking about here today, a prayer life that is just radically reformed and the power of God being made manifest in your life where you stand before Him and say, search me oh God and see my heart and know my heart and you're open before him and you're hungry after him he'll respond to you because he knows your heart's right you're not just searching for his presence with a t you're searching for his presence with a c you just want him more and more of him in your life hungering and thirsting after his presence are you with me most people at the place of prayer, they just bring their grocery list to some big God up in the sky who's supposed, to, who they think is a gimme machine man. He's not a gimme machine man. He wants to speak. He's your heavenly father, for goodness sake. When God looks down, He's looking for those who are hungry for His presence with the sea. David again, who understood this, Psalms 27, 7 and 8. He said, when you said, I, know, I love this, David said to God, when you said, seek my face, he said this, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, not just my lips, my heart said to you, your face, O oh Lord, will I seek? In fact, I think it's this same chapter. In the beginning of this chapter, he said uh, "He said this. He said, one thing I've asked of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the presence of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in His temple. That's what I want to do. I'm hungry for His presence with the sea in my life. And in this room, this gathering here this morning, I just feel that there's a lot of people even in this room here today uh, on this Sunday morning where something in your life, you're missing His presence with the sea. You don't don't know what it means to just hang out in the presence of God and hunger after Him and He respond to you in that secret place of prayer. He's looking for a hungry heart. Number four, he's looking for a repentant heart. A heart that is broken because of the sins of our lives. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and what? Somebody say, turn from their wicked ways. That's what repentance is all about. It's about turning away from something. You see, repentance is not just being sorry. It's turning, it's, it's making a change. In fact, the base word of repent is to change the way you think. You change the way you think about your sin and you turn away from it. I'm changing the way I think. This is separating me from God. I don't wanna be separated from God. I repent, I turn from this and I turn to him and I call out to him and I ask him to forgive me. I confess my sin. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God's looking down and he's looking for someone whose heart is right before him, who know what it means to turn away from something and turn to Him and repent of their sins. He says, when that happens, I'll hear from heaven. I'm telling you all these other things. And then He says, when, you, when they turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. Then I'll begin to respond to them in the secret place. When they turn, when they begin to realize that there's something wrong. I love Proverbs 15, 29. It says, He hears the prayer of the righteous. Somebody say that. He hears the prayer of the righteous. Say it out loud. He hears the prayer of the righteous. You want to infer something from that passage of Scripture? He doesn't hear the prayer of the unrighteous. You say, well, uh, God hears, uh, knows all. I'm talking about responding to to the prayer. He He cannot respond to the prayers of the unrighteous, but He hears the prayer of the righteous. You remember James chapter 5? Remember James 5, if we confess, hey, confess our our faults to one another and pray for one another that we may be healed, the effectual fervent prayer of a what? A righteous man or woman avails much. It's not the effectual fervent prayer of an unrighteous man. It's the effectual fervent prayer of someone who has repented before God, who is right before God, who are not carrying their their issues around with them and stumbling through the darkness and hoping somehow God, who is our light, would bless us in the dark place. But someone who's said, hey, search me, O oh God, and know my heart and see if there be any wicked ways in me and cleanse me and make me and, and lead me into the way of righteousness a repentant heart you know there's two kinds of what we'll call repentance there's true repentance and false repentance when you look at the life of Saul who got busted for his sin he was sorry he got caught he wasn't sorry for his sin he just sorry he got caught you ever had any kids that way They weren't really sorry for what they did. They're just sorry they got caught. I'm sorry, mama. I won't ever do it again, daddy. I promise I won't ever do it again. Just don't hit me, daddy. I won't hit my... I just don't... You know, they're not really repentant for what they did. They're just sorry they got caught. I won't won't ever do it again. Don't hit me, daddy. Please don't hit me. My kids all had different... I got plenty of time. My kids, they all responded differently. Stacy, the first one, You could look at her and say, "Stacy, did you do that? She'd go, I did. She's in the nursery, I think, today. Where's Laura? She's working too. Yeah. And they're all different. Now, Nathan, Nathan, did you do that? No. I remember one time he got in the baby powder, got in Laura's baby powder. Baby powder everywhere. I'm talking about the whole room's full of baby powder. He's sitting there with baby powder all over him. And I said, Nathan, did you get in Laura's baby powder? No. Okay, you got baby powder all over you, Nathan. Now it's everywhere. You're the only one in here. Did you get in there? Da- I didn't do it, Daddy. I said, "Don't make me hurt you." One time, I saw it. I was mowing the grass and I went by the bedroom window, bathroom window, and I just peeked in there and I saw him in there messing in, in the. He was being innocent. He was messing. And so a little bit later, I said, "Nathan, did you go in Daddy's bath bathroom and get into Daddy's drawer into his toothbrush?" No. I said, Daddy saw you in the window. He saw you doing it. Did you do it? No, I didn't do it, Daddy. I said, just don't make me hurt you. They're all different. They all turned out pretty good though, didn't they, Josh? Whoo, Nathan was here this weekend for the wedding. Just loves love Jesus, loves God, loves his parents, uh, and loves uh, uh, what he does for the kingdom. They're all different, but hey, God's looking at all of our hearts, and he's looking if we'll just be willing to repent and turn to God and say, hey, search me, oh God. You see, there may be some things in our life that we just don't realize are all fouled and fouled up because that's the way we've always been, and we wonder why God doesn't answer our prayers. Why don't we just turn to God and say, search me? Look inside. I don't want anything to separate me from you. I don't want anything to keep me from you responding to me at the place of prayer. I'm seeking after your face and I I repent of anything that would keep me from you. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. His whole desire is to show out for somebody who's got a right heart before God. I want to show myself. He said, I'm just looking for somebody who I can show how strong I am in their behalf. You see, if you go into the secret place, the place of prayer, you call out to your Father who sees in secret. Here's my question. Here's my question. Everybody listen. What does God see in you? What's God seeing in you? What's in your heart? What would He see in you that would keep Him from being able to righteously respond and reward you openly? What is it about us that keeps God from being able to show Himself strong in our behalf. You see, we got to prep our lives for a personal prayer revolution. If you want a personal revolution in your prayer life, you and I have to begin to open our hearts to God and say, here I am. Search me, O oh God. What's God seeing us this morning? We've got a couple of minutes left. Actually, more than a couple. Let's just take a little time and let God look inside. Is that okay? Let's stand up together. Lord, we come to You today... And we know You see some things in us. And Lord, I know there's some things in all of us that You're blessed by. But Lord, we don't want anything to keep us from being able to see what You want us to see. But You you can't let us see because what You see in us. Lord, look into our hearts. Do whatever You need to do, Lord. And this old preacher, we confess our sin. Search us, O God. We open our hearts to you. We submit ourselves to you, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for trying to be in charge of our life and somehow hope you'll bless it. us Lord for treating you like as my friend would call a gimme machine somehow expecting that you just as our father just give us everything even if we don't deserve it we submit our hearts to you we humble ourselves before you we bow low in our hearts and yield ourselves willingly to the governance and the correction of God And Lord, we hunger after you. Without your presence with the sea, Lord, we have no need for your promises, your presence with the sea. Help us to hunger after you. And finally, Lord, we choose to have a believing heart trust you and to yield ourselves to you and to know that you will hear us for you said we've got to have faith that when we call you answer so Lord we believe you today we yield our hearts to you search me I want you to spend a few moments here just on a personal level just whatever you need to do just say God here I am some of you may need to confess some things to the Lord you realize that God's seeing some things that, that, that limit him that hinder him from being able to righteously respond with his favor and blessing in your life Lord look on the inside